Hello and welcome to Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. This week, I'm poking the top 10 bits of tech news from the last seven days into your ear holes. Stay tuned for such learnings as Facebook crashing and burning in the stock market, Samsung releasing an unbreakable screen, facial recognition tech that has a serious problem with racial bias, and much, much more. We're taking a quick trip down memory lane this week and breaking up the tech bonanza with some interview questions from one of the first ever episodes of The Zip Files. They're vintage classicos. Anyway, without further ado, let's get all caught up with This Week in Tech. A driver for Uber and Lyft in St. Louis has been banned from both services after it was discovered that he was live-streaming his passengers on Twitch without their consent. Jason Gargak, the 32-year-old driver from Florizont, Missouri, made $3,500 in donations and subscriptions from the scheme. As the news spread across the internet, the covert filming was often summarized in one word. Creepy. And I think we can all agree with that sentiment. Alex Rosenblatt, a researcher at the think tank Data and Society, said, quote, Fundamentally, exposing people, especially women, to random people on the internet is mean and it's wrong, end quote. But, unfortunately, the law doesn't necessarily agree. In Missouri, you are legally allowed to record someone else without their consent. Theoretically, the unsuspecting passengers could sue for invasion of privacy, but then says Ari Waldman, director of New York Law School's Innovation Center for Law and Technology, they would, quote, need to show that the back of an Uber is a place where we can and should be expected to be private, end quote. Miss Rosenblatt thinks the incident raises, quote, a larger question about privacy and technology for society, what we do when the norms around a particular technology are violated, end quote. Gargak's Twitch account is no longer on the site. A fight over the copyright of a farting unicorn has come to an amicable end. Back in February 2017, Elon Musk tweeted a picture of a mug made by Colorado-based potter Tom Edwards, that boasted as its design a, well, farting unicorn, meant in support of electric cars. Elon said that the mug was maybe his favourite ever, and Mr Edwards, a self-professed Musk fanboy, was elated. However, a couple of months later, it was brought to Edwards' attention that his beloved farting unicorn image was popping up inside the operating systems of Teslas and on company Christmas cards. He hired a lawyer and contacted Musk, asking to resolve the situation and be fairly compensated for his work. What followed was a characteristically unhuman response from Musk, who said legal action would be, quote, kinda lame, end quote, and that his use of Tom's image had, quote, increased his, that's Tom's, mugs sales, end quote. Now, though, Elon has apparently seen the light and realised that artists should be compensated for their work. An Edwards blog post wrote, quote, we have reached an agreement with Tesla that resolves our issues in a way that everyone feels good about, end quote. Musk tweeted the link to the blog with a unicorn and wind emoji to accompany it. What movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? <laughs> what movie would be greatly improved? Um, I just think some kind of like horror into a musical. I've never really seen like a horror musical. Imagine like the Blair Witch Project as a musical. 
would it, <laughs> would it be scary enough? That's the issue. I hope it would be. I don't think it would be. <laughs> okay. So it wouldn't be greatly improved by being made into a musical then. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the question. What would be greatly improved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it could be. You'd have to make it an interactive performance in which the actors would like walk through the people as well. Impossible Foods, the food tech startup responsible for the famous veggie burger that bleeds and funded by the likes of Bill Gates, won a major victory this week as the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, said the key ingredient in Impossible's veggie meat is safe to eat. Well, that is a relief. The company hit a snag last summer when they voluntarily sent data to the FDA as evidence of the new age meatless meats safety, only for the FDA to say that the paperwork was insufficient to establish the safety of key ingredient heme. The meaty flavour of Impossible's veggie burger can largely be attributed to heme, an essential nutrient found in pretty much every living thing on earth. In our bodies, you can find heme in our blood as, drumroll, hemoglobin. But Impossible harvests the stuff by genetically modifying yeast to become tiny heme factories. After further research carried out by Impossible Foods, the FDA said on Monday that heme is in fact safe to eat. The future of food is on the horizon. Rocket Internet are raising a new fund that will be between $1 and $2 billion, according to someone familiar with the matter. A significant portion of this fund will be spent in the US as Rocket tries to take their business out of Europe. Rocket Internet is a Berlin-based incubator and investor in startups with a proven business model. Basically, they take ideas that have been successful in places like America and build a clone in Europe. The tactic has been hugely successful and Rocket's share price has been climbing recently as two of its key investments, both Delivery Hero and HelloFresh, are beginning to find serious success. Whilst a spokeswoman for the company declined to comment, it is thought that Rocket will raise the new fund as soon as December this year. Learning online is becoming more and more popular and more and more reputable. To me, it makes total sense. Why restrict learning to geographies when the whole world could access it online? The University of Pennsylvania has announced this week that it would be offering a full master's degree in computer and information technology online through Coursera. UPenn will be Coursera's first Ivy League degree offering as the university tries to make degrees more accessible to lower income students. Whilst the online version is still pretty pricey at $26,300 all in, that is still half of what the same degree would cost on campus. The program claims applicants don't need a background in computer science or even a graduate degree to enrol. What kind of cult would you like to start? Okay. Okay. Change. <laughs> okay. Change of tone to this conversation. Um, like a a travelling cult. Can you have that? <laughs> well, like be a traveller. <laughs> yeah. In, in a in a group of people I really like. Yeah. And just 
we could be like a sun cult and we're just obsessed with the sun and we like follow it wherever it is in the world <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah that's that would be pretty cool you'd have a lot of vitamin D at least yeah it would be healthy ah be healthy AF. There might be quite a high rate of skin cancer there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's consequences for everything, so. It's true. Good things hurt. <laughs> yeah. This is what Jamie always says to me. He's like, name one thing you enjoy that doesn't have negative consequences. And I'm like, God, you're a joy to be around. <laughs> <laughs> You'll recall that Google was smacked with a hefty $5 billion fine last week by the European Commission for anti-competitive behaviour around its Android ecosystem. However, this hasn't stopped the company from soaring onwards. Monday saw Alphabet, Google's parent company, report revenue in quarter two to have been $26.2 billion, whilst Wall Street had expected just 25.6. This success is largely down to Google's mobile advertising and its growing cloud business, which has seen important new customers like superstore retailer Target. These strong results stoked investor optimism, which has already seen Google's share price climb 17% in the last three months, despite European regulators getting tough on its business practices. The next frontier of cash-making for Google? Well, its CEO Sundar Pichai has implied that Google Maps is a potential goldmine, so let's expect that to become increasingly monetized. Coders will already know that the Google Maps API has become a paid product, which is quite tear face emoji. You're walking along, your day is going swell. Who cares that Barry ate the last piece of toast and left the fridge open? It's chill, today is a good day. And then you drop your phone and a crack flashes across the screen. Pain, misery and self-loathing ensue. Well, Samsung think that they can help and announced this week a new unbreakable display. So the traditional way of making a tough screen was to cover the glass with a thin layer of something harder. For years, phone makers have chosen synthetic sapphire to lay over its displays. That's what you'll find on the iPhone, for example. Whilst sapphire is very strong, the glass display beneath it will still eventually shatter as it is inherently brittle. Samsung's unbreakable screen takes a new approach, using fortified plastic for the display, which is much more flexible than glass. During industry standard testing, the display panel was subjected to 26 successive 4-foot drops without any damage. Samsung notes that the panel was also tested without issue at a height of 6-foot. I think we can all agree that an unbreakable screen like this is something we'd all benefit from, and a welcome innovation. In fact, I'm pretty surprised it took this long to achieve it. This past Thursday saw the biggest stock market rout in American history, as Facebook plummeted 19% and lost $119.4 billion in market capitalization, the largest ever one-day loss of value for a US public company. So what caused this? The company announced Wednesday slowing revenue and user growth in its second quarter earnings report before warning that its annual growth rate would decline by the high single digits and that this would be the new normal for the coming years. At one point, the stock was actually down as much as 24%, with $148 billion of the company's value wiped out. That's significantly more than the entire market capitalization of IBM. Whilst the share price recovered a handful of percentage points after the earnings call, it is still down circa 20% as of Sunday. 
it will be interesting to see what happens here. Facebook has historically been able to leap over every hurdle that's been thrown its way. Take Cambridge Analytica, for instance, which only briefly dented the share price before it recovered to an all-time high. But, just like a cat, Facebook inevitably has a limited number of lives. What's the closest thing to real magic? (laughs) Right, um... (laughs) I'm trying to oh uh, like hypnotherapy and stuff like Darren Brown. I think that's pretty pretty close to magic. Like when he supposedly tricked everyone to sitting on the sofa by trapping like an air bubble in their bums. What? On <laughs> Do you remember there was like a theory? It was that like he released an air bubble in people's bums. <laughs> <laughs> How did he do that? I don't know. I think I'm wrong though. I think I'm very wrong on that. So that's what you think magic is: releasing air bubbles in people's bums. Nah, but Darren Brown tricked everyone into sitting down. As the dystopian future of facial recognition plods on closer and closer, it is becoming increasingly apparent that much of the tech is plagued by racial bias. The American Civil Liberties Union ran a test that it then published on Thursday in which Amazon's facial recognition system, known as Recognition with a K, falsely matched 28 US congressmen with criminal mugshots. About 40% of the false matches were people of colour, whilst only 20% of the current members of Congress are people of colour, showing false hits affected that group at a higher rate. This is worrying stuff especially when you consider that this technology could be used by the police, and probably will be, to influence who they pursue, stop, search, arrest, etc. The bottom line is that facial recognition systems have long battled with false positives for women and people of colour, which raises really difficult questions to answer for its broader public rollout. In what was clearly a bad week for social networks, Twitter experienced its worst single-day percentage drop since 2014, after reporting declining monthly active users. Despite Twitter showing record quarterly profits of $100 million, the share price slid to just under $35 a share, a fall of more than 20%. This the result of fears over the platform's flagging popularity, as user numbers fell to 335 million down one whole million in three months. It is important to note, however, that Twitter has started cracking down on fake accounts, removing 70 million of these in May and June, and that this probably caused a fair chunk of that one million active user loss. To be honest, if Twitter can reform the platform, as they are trying so hard to do, and, you know, make it a bit more friendly and um, less fake newsy, then I think there's every reason to be bullish about its stock in the long run. And it's done. It's over. You can open your eyes now. Take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week. Bye.